Hi folks, welcome to London to Brooklyn for our 11th episode with L and Ewa. <laughs> I always I always say L first like I'm introducing myself as L, but it's okay. It works. We're back. It um, works. Works. In case you can't tell, one of us is L and the other is Elo. Uh, and you have to guess which is which. Anyways, we're back on trying to do pod long distance round two. We'll see how this works. We've switched it up a bit. We're switching systems. We're trying different things. So just bear with us and see how this works. All right. So to get started, Ooh. do we want to do a quick um, back to Drag Race UK? Final thoughts? Sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that feels that truly feels like, a like a lifetime ago. ago but you happened very happened recently. recently. And it's yes. very, important. very important. What did you think? Are you happy? I'm thrilled. So in case you've been living under a rock, which good for you, but Drag Race UK Series 2 has just ended and a new champion has emerged. The Scottish queen herself. Lawrence Cheney has snatched the crown. I'm happy. I think, I think you know, I saw, I totally thought Bimini was going to take it. So my... Oh, I think you and everyone else. Yeah, but, um, I mean, I'm very happy for Lawrence. I'm very happy. I thought it's a great choice. Um, I mean, my heart, my heart is with taste. As, as obvious. I was like, yay, Lawrence! But I was also like, but taste! <laughs> But, you know, it's hard It's hard I, to, like, I, you know, go against your... You had divided loyalties. Yeah. But it's it's it was just, like, it was an amazing season. I think... It was an amazing season. Um, I mean, especially for a season that was interrupted by a global pandemic, these queens fucking worked it. And it was, you know, one of the absolute better seasons of Drag Race all across all international platforms. And... I like you said, everyone probably thought Bimini was gonna win. And RuPaul is like, no, no, you think you know. And I've been rooting for Lawrence Cheney since the very first episode. So I'm ecstatic to see them win. And no matter what, I know all these queens are gonna be stars. It's very clear that even if you don't get the crown, your career is still set for life. life. Oh, for sure. And I mean, as soon as the they announced Lawrence Cheney as the winner. My first thought was, Elle's gonna be so happy. I was. I was literally. I, I, I was on a train when I got the news that Lawrence won, and I like screamed in a very public train ride. But it was Hell worth yeah. it because Lawrence Cheney, the Purple Rain, is here to stay, and Lawrence deserved it. She did. She really. She really went through it all and really pushed herself. It, it was quite the showcase of drag and talent. And I'm so proud. Who's Lawrence is literally 23 years old. I am also 23 years old. That's insane. Yeah, different levels. <laughs> Just so good. Yeah, clearly. I, I think I'm excited for if they do a Drag Race UK All-Stars. Um, have you heard the, the tea? tea? Give us the tea. So in the works right now is Drag Race international all-stars where they will be bringing queens from uk canada holland thailand 
and U.S. all to compete against each other. Rumored cast is stellar. Very excited if this is true. Um, f- for the Drag Race fans, the rumors are it's Blue Hydrangea, who's, you know, pretty good from UK. Baggage ships the queen herself. And Cheryl Hole, we all love her. The Essex girl who could. Then from Canada, we have Jimbo and Lemon, two absolute fan favorites. Jimbo, who should have won. Um, I cannot remember. Oh, Envy Peru from Holland. And I can't remember the other girl from Holland. I don't remember the girls from Thailand because I haven't seen Drag Race Thailand. And then from U.S., if this are, if these rumors are true, I'm going to be gagged because the rumors are Monique Hart, who I love, Manila Luzon, Manila Luzon, who's competed on three seasons already. And Jujubee, who has also competed on three different seasons. seasons. Damn. That's crazy. I can't wait to see if this is true. I want them all to, I want them all to win. Every single one of them can win, and I'd be happy. Let's go. <laughs> Just film them having fun. <laughs> No one goes home that's ever. All, that's all just... I want is just for them to be happy <laughs> at the end of the day. That was Drag Race UK season two finale. That season is done. We are still going on with Drag Race US. <laughs> uh, we finally said goodbye to Tina Burner. Yay. Um, I mean, I love Tina, but this was her time to go um, last week. And we had two winners, Simone and Rosary. I liked the, I like last week's episode a lot. I really liked it. I thought um, Rose and Simone did really well, which was exciting. Uh, they they crushed it. And branding challenges are some of my favorite drag race challenges because it's acting, uh, it's directing, and it's comedy all in one. So you get to see a lot of talent. And like the two favorites of mine, Simone and Rose really pushed through so it was amazing to see them excel in it i'm only accepting simone or rose as the winner of this season same same Same. i mean my heart is with rose i it's always really hard to go against my heart but i also really love simone so i would still be happy for simone but rose is my Um, all-time queen but again i have to ask you because i yes i agree um, what did you think of Simone's runway? Simone's runway? I liked it. Okay. It gave me cartoon energy and life. But I thought Rose's runway was much better. Like Rose killed it. That's my take. That's that's what I thought. I even thought Got Mix was really good. I got gotcha. you. What about you? Yeah, I think Got Mix is probably my favorite runway. Um Simone. I love you. I adore you. I think you're probably going to snatch the crown. I fucking hated you this did, You didn't like it? I thought it was... Okay, but compared to, like, Candy Muse's look? What was that? Okay. That was bad. Compared to Candy Muse's look... That was trash. Compared to Candy Muse's look, I could rock a beast couture. Like, that Candy Muse, that ain't it. That ain't it. Also didn't like Tina Burner's look. I didn't like Tina Burner's look either. The reason I had such a visceral reaction to Simone's look is that it was just too much like Nick Wilde furry. I know, realness. I liked it. That's what I liked. I was like, oh, it's cartoon. <laughs> I mean, it's not giving me like it was very- beast. It's giving me like cartoon furry. 
and people loved it. And so I can't really, I have no expert opinion. It's truly just like a, like something in me hates it. Well, um, <laughs> Ben de la Creme on the pit stop loved it. Girl, she was like, every answer was Simone's going to win. Simone's going to win. Simone's going to win. I was actually cracking up during that pit stop a lot. <laughs> I, I laughed so hard, especially when they talked about Bianca Del Rio. I was, oh, I love Ben De La Creme so much. I love their, like, relationship and friendship, Ben De La Creme and Trixie. Yeah, because they had a really interesting relationship on All-Stars 3. So it's kind of fun to see them outside of the context of All-Stars 3. And they're just, they're two of the funniest people alive. Yeah. No, it was really good. Love them. So yeah, we're excited to see what's going to happen next. Um, who knows when this will finish. But yay! More drag race. <laughs> <laughs> yay, more drag race. All right, so something brand new that we finally have both watched. <gasps> I am caught up as well as you now. Um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. Wow! Yay. Oh, oh my god. god! Oh my god! Um, do you want to like take us take us through it? Sure. So Falcon and Winter Soldier picks up after the events of Avengers Endgame. Um, so spoiler alert if you are not part of the MCU. Um, but Captain America Steve Rogers is gone, and he is passed on the mantle to Falcon. AKA Sam Wilson. Um, and it's clear from the beginning that he doesn't necessarily want to take on this charge of becoming the new cap. And so while Sam Wilson is dealing with this internal struggle of becoming cap and while also still being the Falcon, we also get to meet Bucky Barnes again, who is coming back from his, you know, winter soldier hydro shenanigans and the first episode doesn't really have Falcon and Winter Soldier interacting too much, but we each see their own struggle of coming to terms with their new reality. And it is incredible. These are two very interesting characters who necessarily wouldn't think would get along, but are this magnificent duo. And all the props to Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie, because the show is the shit. So good. I I mean, I didn't expect it to be so emotional. So when it started, I was like, oh, my God, I'm already feeling things. And this is episode one. I also forgot. It got me. I was so into it that I forgot that it was a show. And so when it just ended, I was like, I'm so sorry. What? No, no, no. No, no I need this to be like a four hour long <laughs> movie. Like, like, who is this? Um, can we should we say spoilers or are we keeping spoiler free? Let's do spoilers. Let's go hard. This new clown of Captain America. I was like, absolutely not. Who is this? Absolutely not. I was like gasping. I was like, no, no. Who is this fool? I was so mad for Sam. I was just like, my heart broke. I was angry. And I was just like, why are we stopping the episode here? But I mean, I only have to wait <laughs> two more days. So that's okay. <laughs> Thank God. I could watch this every single day for the rest of the year and be happy. This show is excellent. It was so good already. And all of Bucky's scenes, I wanted to cry. I don't know. It, got, it really got me. But um, it was just... <sighs> yeah. It's all, It's a lot of character development within like a 40-minute episode. We really see Bucky struggle with this past trauma and coming to terms with what his role is going to be in this new world. And 
with also Sam, we see, you know, kind of the effects of racism in the superhero world and what it means to be not only a, a person, but a super person. And it's, it's incredible that this is coming out now when so many people are dealing or coming to terms with racism in America and trauma in people as well. So mad props to Falcon Winter Soldier for not really holding back. And I hope this trend continues for the rest of the series that they don't shy away from these topics. topics. Mm -hmm. I agree. No, it was, it was so good. So needed. I'm just very excited to see where it's going. Like, Same. what's who? Like, oh, so good. And I like this new kid, Torres, who's friends with Sam. <gasps> I love him. I love him. I love him so much. As soon as he appeared on screen, I was like, I hope you make it through at least one episode. <laughs> and then he got like beat up, and I was like, oh my God, please still be alive. And he is. But I'm like, he is. <laughs> They're going to play with us. But um, <laughs> it's really good. I'm excited. But it's only going to be like six episodes. I think, mm -hmm. but at least they're 40 to 50 minutes long. So we have that, I guess. Um, I, you know how my like all time celebrity crush is Ryan Gosling. I'm ready to make a declaration that he has been usurped by the one and only Sebastian Stan. Oh my god, I'm shooketh. I mean, I'm not really, but damn, that is a <laughs> big, like, declaration, right? And Gosling has been like, oh my god, I will, like, ugh, I need to get up to date and be like, okay, now Sebastian Stan is her biggest celebrity. I mean, maybe I just need to rewatch Drive and Ryan Gosling will go back to number one, uh, but I've been really, I've been watching a lot of Sebastian Stan recently, and following him on Instagram and guy has my heart in his hands right now. He's good. He's good. So, so good. good. I'm so excited. Thank you, Marvel, for giving us this in the like yes, all this awful time that the world is in. Uh, Marvel stop pushing back Black Widow. I hope July 9th <gasps> is the final date. Thank you. Thank you so much. Period. Please. Could potentially see it in movie theater, which is awesome. Yeah, that's right. Because, I mean, they're open right now-ish. Mm-hmm. And, like, if hopefully vaccinated by that time, I'd love to go see it in a theater. Yeah, we can go see it. That'd be so Hell funny. yeah. Whoop. Missed the movie so much. Anyways. Me too. So that's all of the common things I think we've watched. Um, what mm -hmm. is something that you've watched that I haven't watched? All right, so I am going to talk about The Immaculate Behind Her Eyes on Netflix. It is a British miniseries, um, six episodes, each about an hour long. It is a, like a lengthier show, but I watched it all in one night, so you can too. It, it's so good. It's modern day, and it's about this woman who meets this very charming man and they clearly hit it off right away. And she's about to go home with him before he, you know, stops. And is like, I like you, but this can't go any further, this relationship. Um, we come to find out that he is her new boss at a doctor's office. And that is why he stopped the relationship. Because he is not only her boss, but he is married. So unbeknownst to the wife, Adele she becomes friends with 
the woman in the beginning whose name has completely escaped my mind. But that's okay. That's okay. It's not because I don't love the show. It's just because I watched it actually two weeks ago. Anywho. So there's this inner turmoil drama going on between all these characters who are kind of in this weird love triangle where two of them are friends, two of them are secretly in love, and two of them are married. So what you think is going to be this kind of ro- like romantic drama centered around the triangle turns into a much deeper psychological thriller because this doctor is actually a psychiatrist and the wife, Adele, has a very deep, dark past. And coming to light is that maybe she's not all who she seems to be and there could be more to these relationships than meets the eyes. No pun intended. You know what I'm saying? And I, I can't give a lot away because there's massive twists. And I mean like twists so deep that I had to stand up and take a lap and think about it after I saw it. It is very reminiscent of... Um, I Like equating it to a book, it's very similar to The Silent Patient by Michael McGillies, if anyone is familiar with that. Um... I would say uh, to a show, uh, maybe like Sharp Objects, any of those HBO shows. Maybe, I don't want to say Undoing because we didn't like Undoing, but there is some familiarity there among uh, the Undoing and Behind Her Eyes. But Behind Her Eyes is significantly better and significantly more interesting. So definitely check it out. It's on Netflix, six episodes, very British, some very beautiful people. And it is very binge-worthy. So go check it out. Great. I can't wait to watch it. It looks really good. But I was like, I need someone else to watch it and let me know how it is first. Like, so. I got you. you. I got you. I will watch Behind Her (laughs) Eyes very soon, too. Sounds really good. So what have you watched, my girl? Um, Okay, let's take a different turn again. We we like to keep it very different from what we... (laughs) each other watches we so i've watched this reality tv show wow big surprise um but it's (laughs) it's it's different from my usual realm of like love island and the marseillais and all that it's called the challenge uh double agents Mm -hmm. it's an mtv uh reality competition show i'm just gonna give you a few descriptions so because it's been going on for like 30 36 seasons um, the first episode ever was in 1998, and I'm just picking up this show now, so in, like, oh season 36. So the challenge is a reality reality competition show on MTV that is spun off from two of the network's reality shows, The Real World and Road Rules. I haven't seen either of those shows, but hopefully that means something to you. Um, so, yes, so the first episode was back in 1998. <laughs> Um, this is season 36. Um, after the chaos of Total Madness, the challenge double agents returns to series to a partner's game, but the contestants still can't trust anyone on this spy thriller-inspired showdown. Um, and TJ Lavin is the host. So this is like a lot of challenges. There are in Iceland right now, um, and they're partnered. So it's a boy and a girl for each team. And then each week, um, there's a main challenge. And whoever wins that main challenge, they become double agents. And then 
everyone in the headquarters who takes part in the competition vote um, a team to go into elimination at the end of the week, and then the double agents choose a team to face off this team in an elim elimination challenge. Um, so you get one main challenge, one elimination each week. Whoever wins the elimination get their gold skull, and the gold skull guarantees they can make it to the final. And then whoever loses goes home. So it's a lot of it's a lot of stressful. And then whoever doesn't have their partner becomes a rogue agent, and whoever wins can steal another partner. So there's a lot of mix-ups. There's a lot of politics. It's like Big Brother because everyone lies in that show, mixed with like Survivor because those challenges are hard. So I'm going to go through which challenges I think I could do. <laughs> this I'm, is what I want to know. Like, watching this, I'm like, 100% oh, could do this. If I was there, I don't know if I actually could, but in my brain, I can't. So um, there's a challenge that I think I could do. Uh, where is it? I made a list. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's one where they swim in really cold water, and they have to go get these ice caps and then like crush the ice and then it's a kill inside and then they put it, they give it to another team and that kills them. So swimming in cold water, I could do that, could do that. You're wearing a suit, you're just going to pick up something and swim back, can do that easily, I think. Um, another challenge, um, there's one where they dive. They have to dive in really cold water and they can't go back up to breathe air. They get given like a really, really tiny tank and if they just lose the tank, they're out, they're disqualified. So they can't go back to get air. So you have to dive and hold on to this rope while you're diving, take puzzle pieces, swim back underwater. Same thing, you can't go back up to air. And then you have to figure out this puzzle and whoever does it the fast win the challenge. And I was like, if I was paired up with Elle, we would win this easily because she is the puzzle queen. And then I just have to swim and get the puzzle pieces. Done, easy check, win, boom, boom. Done. Um, there's another one that I think I could do. It's a helicopter, and hanging from the helicopter are two ropes, okay? And then you're on this little boat, and you have to jump on the rope, okay? And then you're holding onto the rope. The helicopter flies you to this dive zone, and then you just jump from the rope into the water, swim, 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 swim in cold water, jump on a platform, and then whoever does this the quickest wins. So I was like, that's easy, right? Jump on a rope, hold on to the rope, fall into water, swim, swim, swim. Yeah, I could swim. I was like, yes. Um, and there's one when they fight in mud to find like a hidden thing. So I was like, okay, I can fight in mud. <laughs> Sounds fun. Um, and then I think, okay, so I think those are the only challenges I could do. Okay, the rest are like, they have to eat really weird stuff in the dark. And there's somewhere they have to fight on top of a moving truck truck that's going 50 miles per hour and they have to throw each other off the truck. I was like, no, this is where I draw the line. This is where I don't think I could do anything. <laughs> but yeah, so, and the, the winning money prize is $1 million at the end of this. Yeah. So this oh is a big God. deal. The stakes are really high and yeah, and then you, you know, there's a lot of characters that I really like. For whoever's watching this out there, I don't know if I'm the only one, but my favorites are Kyle, Corey, Cam, Anissa, and Devin and Jay. Love them all. They're really, I mean, Devin and Jay are gone, so it's just down to Kyle, Corey, Cam, Anissa. I love Kyle and Corey. Kyle's like British, I think, or Australian. I don't know, he has an accent. 
Um, but he's really sneaky. But yeah, he's really funny. So yeah. Anyways, that's the challenge. Um, really fun show, and it's inspired by like it gives me like James Bond vibes, Mission Impossible, Fast and Furious with Big Brother. All in a reality TV competition show. So really fun. It's on MTV. So yeah, very different than Behind Her Eyes, but it, I've enjoyed it. It's giving me a little bit of a kick, and I'm like, yes, I got a train to go on this show now. That sounds insane, but it sounds also right up your alley too. I know. Uh, I needed something that was like, yeah, let's do some challenges and compete. So, hell yeah, perfect hell yeah. for right now. Um, anything else that you've watched recently? Um, I sure have. Um, I actually just watched Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal on Netflix. It's getting a lot of a lot of talk, a lot of waves right now. Um, if we all go back to 2018, 2019, the college admission scandal rocked the nation. And I'm talking about this Rick Singer operation where it came to light that over like 700 wealthy families had bribed, had colluded to get their kids into high-ranked universities in some pretty outrageous ways, all through this one guy, Rick Singer. So Operation Varsity Blues is kind of a reenactment documentary on Netflix um, where they use a lot of the wiretap tapes to recreate the conversations Rick Singer was having with all these really wealthy parents. Um, the guy who plays Rick Singer is the evil doctor from the first season of Stranger Things. Fun fact. Oh, so is this, so this isn't like, this is fake actors? Like they haven't like... So, a lot of it is um, actors reenacting scenes, but there's um, like FBI lawyers, uh, experts who are have interviews throughout the whole thing, who are kind of explaining the situation as we see it reenacted, um, which makes it really interesting. It's not a total traditional documentary, but it you know paints a pretty clear picture of what was going on at the time. And if you want to get mad, watch this. Because it get, it got me mad. I was mad. I'm still mad. Well, we all knew what, ha- like, when the story came to light, everyone kind of understood what was going on. But seeing it get played out so blatantly, and it just hurts knowing that these privileged people can do this and get away so easily just is so frustrating there's a really good line in the documentary uh a reporter says we are a nation that loves the wealthy while hating the wealthy and it's true like we idolize rich privileged people all the time but when they fall from grace we go for it and attack them yet are they're not really being punished because they'll just climb right back up and it's it's just really really frustrating because they also show clips of kids like I would say pretty normal kids you know getting rejection letters from these same universities and just how badly it crushes them because they didn't have you know their dad pay $500,000 or they didn't have their mom pay $300,000 to get their ACT score changed so it's super disheartening to know that this was going on for so long and that some form of it is still probably going on 
and it really paints the universities in a horrible light and it is their fault they allowed this to happen, they accepted it they turned the they turned a blind eye that's insane so it, it's a it's not the best documentary i've ever seen and it did i learn more no like it's everything i knew what was going on but it just you know made it seem more real and it helped me understand and I would have liked to see a more traditional documentary. Like I would have wanted to know more facts, but I still had a, I don't want to say good time, but I, you watch the whole thing and I would recommend it, but it is so frustrating. Enraging to watch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that much. sounds, ugh. Ooh, I hate that. It breaks my heart. And they, there's some really good points brought up with the whole thing about, you know, the true price of college, but it, at the end of the day, like, this, it isn't over. Like, yes, this scandal happened and people were punished, but there's the privilege and the wealthy are still going to get in no matter what. And there's nothing much we can do until we, you know, dismantle the whole system. So I'm very in an eat the rich moment right now, so... <laughs> Just coming off of that. Yeah, and the price is still the same. Like nothing, yeah. nothing has changed. That ain't so. No matter how hard you work, wealth is always gonna win, and that sucks. Really. So, anywho, do you have anything uh, lighthearted to jump off of that, Alon? Sure, I have two things. Um, let me see. I took notes. Um, so first of all, um, Grey's Anatomy is back, season seventeen is back we've had two episodes so far um i am gonna give some spoilers so if you're still watching Grey's anatomy like me you know Mm -hmm. um very dedicated fan will watch until it's over um so Grey's anatomy is back um deluca is dead great another of our Mm -hmm. all-time favorite characters has been stabbed to death um, so rest in peace. We will all miss you. I really like DeLuca, so I'm I'm really confused as to what that move was, unless like the actor was over it and wanted to quit. But other than that, I don't understand why um, they would kill him off. So and it's also a really emotional season. We are still dealing with COVID. Meredith Grey is still um, on event, so all the only scenes we see Meredith Grey are are on her like subconscious scenes where she's in a beach on a beach um in her subconscious hang out with Derek um and other dead characters and I'm like can can she wake up we like she's been she's been like um like in a coma for the whole season basically um and so we deal a lot with grief and death and covid so it's a really really emotional um season like I think I cry every single episode um, we also deal with sex trafficking in this season. And so it's just like, yeah, so it's just a lot going on and really dark things. And it's just like, no, none of the characters are happy. None of them. They're just all grieving in some way or just having a horrible time. So um, this is not a show to bring you up. But I have another show that I've been watching that is also back for its last season um it is keeping up with the kardashians 
my girls are back better than ever <laughs> i don't know let me tell you they've been up to some a lot of things so in um last week's episode kim kim kardashian is prepping for her baby bar exam so we just see kim studying long long hours for her baby bar exam yeah and then we see her we see What's her we don't see her take bar? it we see her like when she's on her break for her baby bar Mm-hmm. What's a baby bar? So she didn't do the traditional thing where she goes to law school, right? She is in law school, but like kind of her own law school. Um, and so the baby bar is like, so she's been studying for a year. And like, you know, in law school, you usually go for like three years. But she's only been doing like a mm-hmm. year, year and a half. So at the end of that, they can actually take a baby bar. It's not like the big bar. It's like a baby bar. And I think you take it twice. Um... And so it's like a seven hour long exam with like 300 multiple questions and then like four essays and you take it during like a whole day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we see her studying it for studying for it. So it's really it was really weird to see Kim Kardashian study this hard, but she's really like passionate. So it's like, go for it. And then we have Khloe Kardashian's IVF journey. She wants to get another kid, but she's having a lot of issues. So that's kind of emotional as well and then we have scott disick and his relationship issues and i'm like great <laughs> here for it let's let's turn up but yeah so we'll see where this last season takes us <laughs> i i only hope i only wish you the best in this last season thank you i'm excited it gives me that's like something lighthearted to watch and look forward to and like something i don't relate at all like it don't relate to their lives at all. There is it, yeah. So it's it's kind of good to separate yourself from them too. So yeah, those are all my watches. Well, I have more, but I will talk on next week episodes because I've been watching a lot of things. <laughs> Do you have any other watches, or should we move on to weeds and books? I have all books, so Great. whenever you're ready, dive in. Okay, you okay. go first, since you have more. Okay. <laughs> God, I'm such a nerd. Okay, so I'm going to first start off with the epic fantasy tale, The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. Here we go. A world divided, a queendom without an heir, an ancient enemy awakened. The House Brenethan, okay, sidebar, I don't know how to pronounce any of their names, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> Back. The House Brenethan has ruled Innes for a thousand years. Still unwed, Queen Sabran the Ninth must conceive a daughter to protect her realm from destruction, but assassins are getting closer to her door. Ede Duron is an outsider at court. Though she has risen to the position of lady-in-waiting, she is loyal to a hidden society of mages. Eid keeps a watchful eye on Sabrin, secretly protecting her with forbidden magic. Across the Dark Sea, Tane has trained all her life to be a dragon rider, but is forced to make a choice that could see her life unravel. Meanwhile, the divided East and West refuse to parlay, and forces of chaos are rising from their sleep. Dun-dun-dun-dun! So I wasn't like, I had a... I had a dream about you telling me this storyline, and it is not the same. 
not the same. I think my my dream based it off of Lord of the Rings, but I have clear memories of that dream where you're just like telling me about the book. But <laughs> <laughs> this sounds really good. Good, good, yeah. It's a great book. Um, it is very long. I will start that off. It's like 850 pages, so you really you have to dedicate yourself to it. Um, it is true fantasy where it, it's a lot of world building, but it's a very unique world. And what I really enjoyed is that it's a fantasy book that puts women and their stories at the forefront. You know, a lot of fantasy is written by men or it has female characters, but their stories are male driven. And this is really one of the first fantasy novels I've read, except for Sarah J. Maas, um, where the female storylines are not based around a guy or, you know, a guy story. Um, there is male characters for sure, but like the three main characters are all very unique female characters. And it's got great representation in this book. Um, I can tell the author took a lot of time to research these cultures and these ideas because it has a lot of basis from Middle Eastern culture, from Asian culture, from Nordic culture. And it's very pleasing to watch all these get combined into a story that flows between them so beautifully. And it's got a great LGBT plus representation. And I think it's just a very unique take. And I would recommend it if you have the time. That is key. Uh, I definitely liked the beginning and middle. The end was probably a little, it was a little muddled for my taste, but it's still worth it in the end. It's very reminiscent, I would say, of Game of Thrones, where all these different storylines are taking place across continents. So it's not just like focusing on one court or on one country. It's four different narrators, and they're each in four different parts of the world. And they meet up occasionally throughout it, but it has that kind of scope that Game of Thrones had. And I, if you're interested in Game of Thrones, I think you would very much enjoy this. Could, could you see this book becoming a movie or like a TV show, or you'd rather not? Um, I could totally see it. I think it would make an excellent... Um, like miniseries, I don't think it could be stretched to the length of Game of Thrones. Um, maybe like one, two, three seasons. A movie would be cool, but they would have to cut out so much stuff because it is quite lengthy. And it'd be great to have this because it has such great representation. And it, I think it'd be an important story to tell. So especially now that Game of Thrones is over... It'd be a, it'd be, it'd fit right in. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be like a good fix for all our fantasy mm -hmm. fans out there. Ooh. Hell yeah. Ooh, ooh. Oh, wait. Sh ooh. Should I do my one um, book? <laughs> yeah, no. What's, what's Alona been reading? I feel like I haven't read in so long, um, <laughs> but I had to read this. Okay, so I'm going to do the summary. I read Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney. I think that's how you say her name, right? I think so. Okay. So, summary. Frances is 21 years old, cool-headed, and darkly observant. A college student and aspiring writer, she devotes herself to a life of the mind and to the beautiful and endlessly self-possessed Bobby, her best friend and comrade in arms. Lovers at school, the two young women now perform spoken word poetry together in Dublin, 
where a journalist named Melissa spots their potential. Drawn into Melissa's orbit, Francis, Francis is reluctantly impressed by the older woman's sophisticated, home and tall, handsome husband. Private property, Francis believes, is a cultural evil, and Nick, a bored actor who never quite lived up to his potential, looks like patriarchy made flesh. But however amusing their flirtation seems at first, it gives way to a strange intimacy either neither of them expect. As Frances tries to keep her life in check, her relationships increasingly resist her control with Nick, with her difficult and happy father, and family even with Bobby. Desperate to reconcile herself to the desires and vulnerabilities of her body, Frances' intellectual certainties begin to yield to something new, a painful and disorienting way of living from moment to moment. <sighs> oh my god. This is a lot. Woo! Um, so this will be made, I think, into a series on Hulu. Um, mm-hmm. so that's why I read it because it's also by the same author who wrote Normal People. Um, I definitely liked Normal People so much better, but also Conversation with Friends is her first, like, her debut novel, so you can tell, um, you know, a few things. Um, so yeah, I liked it. It's just there was a lot of things that weren't properly concluded for me, or I feel like we were going in circles the whole book. You know, like nothing got resolved, you know, and I don't feel like the characters grew, like they kind of stay the mm-hmm. same or they get worse, but they don't get better or they don't ask for help. Like there's a lot of like important subject that she touches in the book, but I feel like they're just not made that important. Like it's just, it's, it's hard to like read or relate to the characters at times even though what they're going through are very relatable does that make sense yeah that makes sense no character growth it sounds like yeah i just feel like yeah like we she starts you know she's in that affair and at some point you're she you know they end and you're like okay so she's moving on she's gonna go to someone else Mm -hmm. and the book just ends with her going back to him ah and I'm like, we've gotcha, been doing gotcha. this the whole book, and this is still how you're going to end the book. And so she's in, like, different yeah. relationship, and you're just circling around. And we, like, we go through her, like, telling herself so many different, like, the same thing over and over again. She does it over and over again. So I'm just like, ah, okay, great. <laughs> we've made no... Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. But it's still good, you know... If it's gonna be a show, you can you can easily read this book in one day. So are you gonna watch the show? Um, I mean, I'm still I have still yet to see normal people, and I read the book. <laughs> so I think I'll watch normal people first, and then I'll watch that. Normal people's good. Normal people's really good. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think that book was so good too. So it's just like I feel like this book. Um, kind of reminded me of perks of being a uh, perks of being a wallflower oh yeah yeah but and so in my brain i compared it to that a lot and perks of being a wallflower is just too good so yeah i get it i get it but what how would you rate it i rated it a three out of five stars sounds fair yeah i'm pretty i'm i'm the harsh grader for books you are. You really are. That's why I can tell when Eleanor rates something like a four out of five. I'm like, damn. 
there's some tea about this book. I gave um I gave Priory of an Orange Tree four out of five. Yeah, I can see why though. I mean, it's nothing like it would stop me from reading it. It's just, man, it's a lot of pages and a lot of things that happen that maybe don't didn't happen. Exactly. Oh, I started on another note. I started The Baron the Nightingale. I saw. How are you liking it? It's good. It's just like, there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of names. And some of the characters have two names. So sometimes I'm confused. It took me a bit to understand who was who. Who was who. And I'm still figuring out who is who. What's going on? (laughs) It feels like a tale. You know? Like a story of a story. Um, So I'm very interested to see where it goes. You have to let me know what you think. Because it's gotten a lot of hype. I know. So I'll let you know. But we'll see how it goes right now. What have you been reading? I think you had two more books. I have two more books, and then I'll briefly talk about the book I'm currently reading. I'm so sorry, y'all. I I have a lot. Um, oh yeah, that's good. So these are both these are both five star rated books. Um, so the first first book I'm gonna talk about is the final revival of Opal and Nev, the debut uh, by the author Donnie Walton. So. Opal is a fierce, independent young woman pushing against the grain in her style and attitude, Afro-punk before that term existed. Coming of age in Detroit, she can't imagine sitting for a 9-to-5 job. Despite her unusual looks, Opal believes she can be a star. So when the aspiring British singer-songwriter Neville Charles discovers her at a bar amateur night, she takes him up on his offer to make rock music together for the fledging Rivington Records. In the early... 70s New York City, just as she's finding her niche as part of a flamboyant and funky creative scene, a rival band signed to her label brandishes a Confederate flag at a promotional concert. Opal's bold protest and the violence that ensues set off a chain of events that will not only change the lives of those she loves, but also be a deadly reminder that repercussions are always harsher for women, especially Black women who dare to speak their truth. Decades later, as Opal considers a 2016 reunion with Nev. Music journalist S. Sunny Shelton seizes the chance to curate an oral history about her idols. Sunny thought she knew most of the stories leading up to the Colts duo, most politicized chapter. But as her interviews dig deeper, a nasty new allegation from an unexpected source threatens to blow up everything. Bam, 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 bam. So there's more, but that's that's the summary. It is um, this is an amazing novel. If you are a fan of Daisy Jones and the Six. This is very much in the same genre, um, but I really like the conversations about race this book is having that was, you know, missing from Daisy Jones and the Six. Daisy Jones and the Six, while my favorite book of 2020, is all white when it is a bunch of privileged people. We get it. This is a real look at the music industry and its relationship with racism because Opal is this very outspoken, fierce Afro-punk singer but in the 1970s in the music industry, she wasn't really given her choice to speak out as she wanted to. And she was duetting with this white British guy. And so they each had their own views, even though they thought they were, you know, fighting for the same cause. This is fiction. These are not real people, but they're obviously based on real events. And I think this is an excellent take on rock and roll. It's very fascinating. Uh, it's 
pretty much the whole book is written like an oral history. And you find out that the author, not Donnie Walton, but the author of the oral history, S. Sonny Shelton, has a very personal relationship with this event that is kind of centering the book. And her personal relationship, as well as all these other characters' relationships, is very fascinating. And it keeps you on the edge because there's a lot of twists. Very much recommend Book of the Month. You did it again, girl. Constantly raising the Sponsor us. Sponsor me, please. So that is The the Final Revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Shelton. It looks really good. So so good. Um, And then my other recent read is Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. So this is this book's gotten a lot of hype because uh, Frederick Bachman has written a lot of pretty popular books, including A Man Called O, Bear Town, which have been made into shows. And this book is equally incredible. So summary goes, looking at real estate isn't usually a life or death situation, but an apartment open house becomes just that when a failed bank robber bursts in and takes a group of strangers hostage. The captives include a recently retired couple who relentlessly hunt down fixer robbers to avoid the painful truth that they can't fix their own marriage. There's a wealthy bank director who has been too busy to care about anyone else and a young couple who are about to have their first child but can't seem to agree on anything from where they want to live to how they met in the first place. Add to the mix an 87-year-old woman who has lived long enough not to be afraid of someone waving a gun in her face, a flustered but still ready to make a deal real estate agent, and a mystery man who's locked himself in the apartment's only bathroom, and you've got the worst group of hostages in the world. Each of them carries a lifetime of grievances, hurts, secrets, and passions that are ready to boil over. None of them is entirely who they appear to be, and all of them, the bank robber included, desperately crave some sort of rescue. As the authorities and media surround the premises, these reluctant allies will reveal surprising truths about themselves and set in motion a chain of events so unexpected that even they can hardly explain what happens next. Ooh. That's not what I thought at all this book was about. No, it's... The title Anxious People is kind of a red herring. Mm -hmm. Like, this is... I mean, anxiety is definitely a huge part of it. Um... I will say, if you want to embark on this book, there is some pretty big trigger warnings, especially for suicide and self-harm. So please be aware if you're going to go into it. But this book is so interpersonal and really is a deep dive into the self. I definitely want to read more books by Frederick Bachman because I think this writing style is fascinating, really engaging. You meet all these wacky, crazy characters, but you end up falling in love with them throughout the book because of the personas and the stories they tell. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I took is that not everyone is who they seem at face value. You will never truly know what a person is going Mm -hmm. through. And using that through the guise of this messed up hostage situation is so out there, but it works so perfectly. That's crazy. Highly, highly recommend Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. That sounds really good. Do you think it'll be made into a show? It would be, I think it would make a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, it does, the author is Swedish and the original book was in Swedish. So I know that they made one of his books into a show in Sweden. So maybe it will be made there first, but I would love to see an American or American, British, English speaking version, please. Yes, that sounds really good. And that book's 
like looks really good too. Now I'm it, now I'm like even more interested in reading it, hearing you talk about it. I I think you would love it. It's so good. I, I, I cried. I will not. Ooh, big surprise! I want to cry, <laughs> but I did. I got really emotional. <laughs> That's good. That's good. We like that. That means it's like really powerful and good. Like it's it makes definitely, it even better. Definitely. Yeah. I love books, obviously. Um, I do have the book I'm currently reading now. This is the quickest plug ever, I swear to God. It's another book of the month book. It is What's Mine and Yours by Nama Coster. Um, it's so far really good. I have like 70 pages left, I think, maybe less. So I'm still really in it. It is, if you're a fan of like the vanishing half, oh, nice. I would say this is very much this is very much in the same vein it is about um a kind of two different families in this southern town of north carolina and how they deal with integration in the 1990s but it follows them through their journeys up into present day a lot of characters a lot of storylines which i really enjoy the kind of time jumping that contemporary books take so mad props what's mine and yours by name a coaster good rock and roll do you already do you already know what the April book of the month books are? No, I probably they usually don't release it until like a few days before the end of the month. That's right. So I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I mean, understandably so. I think it's the twenty fourth. Well, not to be the twenty fifth for me. Um, I'm <laughs> in the future, y'all. <laughs> Yeah, you all are talking to a time traveler. <laughs> For real. Who knows where I am? What time zone? What's going on? Don't even know what weather is. What is weather? Who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> what are other people? I don't know. So, yeah. Hopefully you'll find out someday. But good. That's a lot of books. I love to go on Goodreads and just see where you are in your books challenge and it's just insane how many books you've already read in 2021 it's amazing and like, I've, so I've i've read 20 books so far this year i and like, your goal your goal is 60 but you know you want it to be more than that so <laughs> i yeah i mean Unless something insane happens over these next couple months, 60, uh, 60 will probably be achievable. 100%. So, I, I've just, like, I can't, like, I, like, I have no words. I, because all I do is read words, so I have none at the moment. Oh, my God. But it's just, it's so good. It's amazing. If you ever, I guys, know, I, if I, it wasn't clear, if you ever need a book recommendation, just ask Eleanor. You, I talk about books till my head falls off and then I'll still talk about books I actually um I just got a few more books <laughs> lol um that I'll show you after this podcast and you can help me pick which one I'm gonna read next oh yes please do I mean do we have anything else to cover um I can't think of anything um I just hope everyone is happy safe and healthy and you know just keep doing the best yeah hopefully hopefully everyone can get vaccinated soon um Mm -hmm. if you want to um but yeah just stay safe 
do whatever you gotta do, um, you know, to take care of yourselves. And we miss y'all, and thank you for listening. And hopefully, we'll be back next week. Bye. See y'all. Talk to y'all soon. Thank you so much. Bye.